The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Well, good morning. I'm a retired pastor who gets to supply in lots of congregations in our synod. And so from the past few weeks of supplying, I bring you greetings from Messiah Lutheran Church in Downingtown, St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Chester Springs, Good Shepherd and King of Prussia, and from our home congregation of Living God in Honeybrook. Just like any family, as a synod, we are much better and much stronger in our witness when we are connected and greet one another in the name of Christ. So I will be happy to bring your greetings to the next congregation I am visiting. I received a wonderful book at Christmas from one of our daughters, Aileen by name, that has really inspired me. The title of the book is Take This Bread by Sarah Miles. Sarah's grandparents on both sides had been Christian missionaries, but both of her parents rejected Christianity in favor of an ethical and socially conscious way of living, but they didn't give any assent to God. And even though Sarah grew up without any Christian teaching or direction, nevertheless, her parents provided a very loving and nurturing home for her, her sister, and her brother. After her college education, she began her adult life as a journalist and war, cor war correspondent. And during one of her war zone assignments, she had a relationship with a man that resulted in a pregnancy. While pregnant and still working in that war zone, she came home after almost being killed in a rebel uprising. Back in the States, she decided to live simply, away from war raise her daughter, and cook. Yes, cook as in a restaurant. <laughs> because of her parents' social consciousness, Sarah had learned early on to be, aware and, to be aware of and care for the needs of those less fortunate than herself. She ended up in San Francisco and lived among the poor of that city, particularly those who spoke Spanish. One day, for no particular reason, she went into a church and took communion. She'd never had communion before, 
didn't know what it meant, but it changed her life. At home, after church that day, it got her thinking of all the times she was fed by warring tribes of people on the battlefields of Central America. At home, it got her thinking of how the poor people in San Francisco regularly shared food with one another, even though they themselves had very little. At home, it got her thinking of the people at her restaurant who depended upon her for the food that she made them. At home, it got her thinking about how she fed her daughter and that without food, her daughter would die. She began making connections between her communion with Christ that day, with the communion she already had with soldiers and journalists. She began thinking of the communion she already had with poor, hungry people and the communion she had with the not-so-poor, hungry customers in her restaurant. She thought of the communion she had with her daughter this communion thing was grabbing her. By her own admission, Sarah had ambled into a church one day, took the bread and wine of communion, and it thoroughly and completely transformed her. As Pastor Keith said, today is Transfiguration Sunday. It serves as a bridge between the church's Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany cycle that comes to a close today, even as we now anticipate the Lent Easter cycle that begins on Wednesday. It is the Sunday on which the Christian church celebrates the event of Jesus taking three of his disciples up on a mountain where it would be revealed to them once again that Jesus is the Son of God. In the process, they would see Jesus gloriously transfigured right before their eyes. Now, none of us have ever seen really Jesus. We have no real idea of what he looked like. And we certainly don't have any better idea of what he looked like after the gospel. But we do know that the disciples, especially Peter, were transfixed by the events that took place on that mountain. You see, today's text is a transition text. It comes at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's about to make his tragically triumphant entry into Jerusalem and is inspired to take a few of his disciples up a mountain. Why? We don't really know. To pray, maybe for one final getaway before all hell was going to begin to, take, to break loose. Even though we don't know the reason why Jesus took them up exactly, Jesus is revealed to the disciples and to you and me as God's beloved son, echoing the words at his baptism. Jesus is shown to be more than a prophet, more than a spectacular miracle worker, more than the most amazing preacher that people had ever heard. He is revealed to be the Son of God who announces, this is my Son, the beloved in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That's the reason. That's the reason Jesus wanted them there.
You'd think these three disciples whom Jesus invited with him that day would have already known this. I mean, they'd been around him for three long, circuitous years, constantly following him from here to there, eating with him, sitting in boats with him, traveling the countryside with him, hearing him preach and teach, seeing him cure the sick and heal the lame. You'd think they would already knew who he was. Why would it take a dazzling light show up on a mountain and a voice from heaven to convince them who this guy was? But like all of us here today, the disciples were just living life, going about their day-to-day work and responsibilities, not looking for or anticipating a life-changing event to happen. And nor was Sarah Miles looking for Jesus the day she wandered into the church in San Francisco. She was just out for a walk and on impulse walked into the communion that was given to her. Now you and I might put a religious spin on it. You and I might say it was the Holy Spirit that guided her that day. Some would even say, well, God had a plan for her life, and she simply stepped into it. But here's how Sarah described it. She said, I had no earthly reason to be there. I'd never heard a gospel reading, never said the Lord's Prayer. I was certainly not interested in becoming a Christian, Or as I thought of it rather less politely, I wasn't interested in becoming a religious nut. I just went in. And then it happened. It happened for her in a little church. It happened for the disciples on a mountain. In that church in San Francisco, there's a rock outside that serves as their baptismal font. Inside, there's a rock outside that trickles water, I should add. Inside, there was a huge table around which 20 or so people would sit in chairs. There were silver crosses and icons scattered about. It was silent at first, but then two people began chanting in harmony. No organ, no choir, no pulpit, just the people sitting around the altar. Slowly, everybody began singing, and Sarah joined in. They stood some, they sat some, there were readings, they sang some more, and then the words were spoken, Jesus invites everyone to this table. Sarah was handed some bread, and by someone standing next to her, they said, the body of Christ given for you. Right after this, that same person gave her a goblet of sweet wine and said, the blood of Christ for you. Sarah ate, and Sarah drank. And in her words, something outrageous and something terrifying happened. Again in her words, Jesus happened to me. 
When the disciples communed with Jesus on the mountain that day, they too were struck, terrified, fell to the ground. Jesus said to them and to Sarah and to you and to me, get up. Do not be afraid. And then he led the disciples down back the mountain and he led Sarah and he leads you and me out those doors back into the world where we are urged to continue our journey with Christ. Here's what happened to Sarah after that amazing day. She opened a food pantry in her church a pantry that gives away food to any and all who need it. An interesting feature of that is that they actually bring the food into the church and all the food is put around the altar and the people come and get their vegetables and their cereal right from here. Today, over 200 people come every week to St. Gregory's Church and are fed fed with food, fed with communion with one another, fed with the presence of Christ who continues to transforms, transform lives, not only here, but all around the world. In the last 20 years, Sarah has opened many more food pantries, and as a result, today, more people are communing with Christ. So what about us? What happens when we gather around this table? What happens when Jesus is revealed to us in all of his shimmering glory, in the breaking of the bread and in the spilling of his blood? What happens when he calls to us to minister to and to care for those who have no communion? Peter, James, and John eventually got it after the resurrection. That's where we are after the resurrection. Sarah got it the first time she received communion. My prayer is that Jesus happened to us today. Amen.